Welcome to Connecting the Classics, another episode where your hosts, Lee Robinson and Will Hagel, pick two albums each week, and then we connect from our own album to the other person's album using songs and musical references in the style of Kevin Bacon, and we discuss weaving webs. We got a good theme today. Albums you can smell, but you know more than I know. <laughs> you know more than I know. Hey, you know more than I know. Hey, you know more than I know. And I know it's a good time to get into some JJ Kale and talk about the theme of the episode that you picked. Really great theme, like I teased right before John Kale said, You know more than I know. Theme is music you can smell. So, yeah, you know, some interpretations there. My choice was Grover Washington Jr., Mr. Magic, which... And I... Oh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I fired back with... I got so excited to fire back (laughs) with my smell. You you couldn't even smell me coming. I was so excited. Uh, I fired back with King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, Flying Microtonal Banana. But my, you know, first thought with this album was I bought it on record. It was the first record I ever bought. And I just can remember the distinct, like, dusty, old, like, library book smell of the record. So I was definitely in preparing for this theme. I was just looking at all my records, like, going down and kind of smelling them. Yeah. I'm like, vinyl records in general just have such a distinct smell. And, like, the older they are, the kind of crustier they can be. I have some that were, like, from my parents' basement that have water damage and stuff like that. And it's like definitely vinyl has more of a smell but then cds have a smell too and tapes have a smell but it's more of like a plastic smell and then mp3s you can't really smell as much i guess you smell your computer or your environment when you're listening but yeah great pick i don't know if you want to launch into some grover washington jr i wasn't familiar with him at all well i just want the background as to why you picked yours uh we can get into it maybe when we listen to them but I was thinking about albums, and I vaguely remembered there were some albums that had scratch and sniff labels on them. And so I just did a quick Google search for albums that had scratch and sniff on the records. And it's a lot comes up actually, like there's albums from the 70s, 80s, even earlier maybe, that the scratch and sniff still has its um, smell intact. Yeah. But this album by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard had it. And I thought, we'll talk about it more with my connections, but the Microtonal album was yeah. just very interesting. And they're like a super popular band that I didn't really know much about and have never really listened to properly. So I thought it'd be fun to talk about them. Love it. All right. So jump into my choice, Mr. Magic. Uh, let's go ahead and launch into the song. The self-titled uh, uh, song on the album is is the hit for me. I know these are some pretty long songs. Uh, Grover Washington, saxophone player, uh, most famous, I think, for just the two of us that he did with Bill Withers. Oh. Might be where you know him. But uh, I thought the other sort of interpretation of music you can smell is like there's some pretty funky, stanky jazz bass grooves going on so so where did that term come from real quick before we go like stanky oh i don't know 
I think it's right though. It's like when it's, it just makes you it like makes you make that face. You like it makes you make the stanky face. Yeah, the Mac Dre, uh, a like little, look uh, on your face like you smelled some piss. Yeah, well, Rhodes gets me stank face every time. Then the bass comes in. That is such a unique reaction to music, though. Just ugh. also remember thinking this like the drums sounded so good on vinyl. Probably in my the head. The drums are great on this. Really crisp. Yeah. Oh, Grover. Funky horns, too. Just teasing. What does Grover play? Uh, he's the saxophone player. Okay. Yeah. Also, I know this is a podcast, but I'll, I'll, I'll add that the album cover is just ridiculous. It's Grover Washington, like, emerging from a pool, and he's, like, spitting water or something yeah. out of his mouth. I can't tell. So this is considered smooth jazz too, right? So that was another thing that was kind of interesting. You know, at the time I didn't really think of it as that, but it definitely has this sort of pop connotation that it's like easy listening or smooth mm-hmm. jazz. Uh, Elevator music. Yeah, because it's definitely like, it's not too chaotic. And that was his brand. I mean, just the two of us is also super poppy. That's why it was so successful. Well, I feel like even the album cover of him coming out of the pool and like, hey, you smell the water when you're coming out, uh-huh. smell the chlorine. Yeah. And like, I don't know if this would be considered baby making music. Yeah, definitely. He has that vibe. Yeah, it's like you smell the sweat of sex in this album. Uh, this is 1975. I don't know if we mentioned that. All right, guitar solo. studio guy played on a million records but it's just like they're just jamming just like having fun and then that horn chorus comes in Like you can almost smell the room to 1975. Yeah. Like it's like a cigarette stenched wood paneled recording studio. That's what I smell. So you ever heard how smell is intimately tied to memory? Say that again. Smell, I think, is like intimately tied to memory. Totally. Yeah. 
So it is interesting because really you can't smell most music, but you smell the things that you associate with the music. And then that can bring you back. Like you probably get transported back to listening to this on vinyl. Totally. Yeah, I can see it in my head when I first listen to the record. That's why I feel like smell is a very interesting sense in general. Like you said, you can see it in your head. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get into this more later, but... You know, in this theme, I thought a lot about how our senses are all kind of tied in. Yeah, same. And with music being oral or, you know, A-U-R-A-L. Ooh, we're going to be weaving webs. But then, yeah, there's smell, there's vision. All right, I'm going to let Grover do the talking. Sorry. I guess it's like a look of shock like I can't believe they just played that like can't believe that smell well have we talked about this before that there's something to like this you know with like laughter there's like a sudden moment of confusion that usually can cause laughter Mm -hmm. and I think with music there's this there's this sudden moment of like, how did they do that? That's like really pleasurable. Or, or they do something like, unexpected. It's like yeah. comedy too. It's all the same. It's all the same. Or it's like, even there, like he was playing a pattern on the saxophone kind of, and then all of a sudden he hits like, a long note and it's like ooh I wasn't expecting that it's like playing with the <laughs> expectations so I gotta remember I'm gonna look this up but I there was a sample that was the main reason I brought this bought the record I don't know if you know it off the top of your head I don't think so you know more than I know though I like that little Whatever it is in the background. Is that a synth? Some strings. Yeah, so one of the guy doing the strings on here, Bob James, another kind of like jazz funk soul guy who his records are sampled a bunch. Somehow has the most generic name, but also a classic name. Bob, Bob James. James. Yeah. Great name. So the whole time I was listening to this, I just kept thinking of late night talk shows or like yes. sitcoms from the 90s. Definitely that vibe. Bill Clinton playing the saxophone. Bill Clinton probably loves Grover Washington Jr. Definitely. I mean, it's definitely a more accessible version of jazz. That little part sounds familiar, like maybe it's from a sample. Yeah, I, I, I can't figure it out. It might be Mob Deep, 
it wasn't this track, but one of the other tracks was sampled in a Mob Deep. Uh, their big record. Shook Ones. Yeah, yeah. The Part infamous, two. The infamous uh, album. We'll be weaving webs to a part two later. Nice. Yo, those drum pills, though. I guess that song samples for being Hancock. That'd be a good sample. Do you know who the producer was on this? Um, I don't remember. I, I did remember reading that this was in that big like jazz studio that like a love Supreme and all those big records have been through. Cause it sounds really clean too. Yeah. I think it's definitely through the like, jazz system mm -hmm. uh it says produced by creed taylor i don't know who that is but creed uh, give you give you points for creed creed i'll take you higher on the points nice yeah rudy van gelder is the studio owner and has done a million jazz records all right so somehow we're going to connect grover washington jr to king gizzard and the lizard wizard so king gizzard and the lizard wizard they're from australia obviously they have a goofy name They've kind of got like a f almost fish like Grateful Dead kind of following because they're sort of in the jam band realm. But yeah, I'd give them credit for being a little bit more inventive than just jamming out because they take kind of like experimental risks. Everything obviously from their name to their style is sort of, you know, a little bit humorous. I think it's that Australian humor. Yes. And like stylistically, like you're saying, they're not really jam band. It's almost like acid rock and a little bit of uh kraut rock in there yeah exactly so they're inspired by kraut rock and then obviously psychedelic yeah and they've released over like 25 albums are you were you a fan of them at all or do you ever listen to them they're definitely like a, a darling of you know people i work with uh and definitely one of those bands that like gets the stamp of approval from like record stores and stuff of like i wasn't sure because i wasn't sure if they were kind of like a bro band more kind of like fish no. has become i think people it's like you did your due diligence you're like inventing or you know taking old sounds and sort of you know brushing them off and doing something slightly different but in the mm -hmm. spirit of of music that isn't really being made anymore and I feel like you definitely from the name and kind of like the desert associations, even though I know they're not really associated with the desert, you kind of get like a, you can kind of smell their fan base, I guess, is what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> like a sweaty, like kind of crusty yeah. um, fan base. But so this album, Flying Microtonal Banana, is kind of an experiment. So like I was saying, they've recorded them over 25 albums, something like that. And their albums all kind of have different themes or approaches where they do different sort of experimentation. This one is all about exploring microtones, which I was doing some research uh, and Terry Riley, who we've talked about before, who did an album with John Cale. 
has experimented with microtones as well. So that's my John Cale get out of jail free card early nice. on in the episode. Uh, so the simplest explanation I saw for microtones is it's the notes between the notes. So in Western music, we have 12 notes. And in Arabic music and a lot of other cultures around the world, they'll use microtones, which are, you know, also like the bend of a guitar, like when someone hits a node and then they move the string up or down, then it goes like not quite to the next note, but it's like a little bit in between. And I think to the Western ear, it often sounds off a little bit, but this is a nine minute song. So let's launch into it. Wow. It opens up the album. I just really sets the tone for me. I loved the first song and I was locked in the rest of the album. It got kind of old by the end, I'd say, but there are some other good songs on it too. Open Water is another good one. And I was reading that in order to get some of these microtones, they put extra frets on their guitars to like shorten where yeah. the notes should be and make it so it comes across cleaner. Um, but I thought this one was a good example of the microtones. So this is King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Rattlesnake. I kept thinking that every song they were going to start singing Rattlesnake. Which uh, reptile is the best at percussion? Uh, the bon- the bongo dial. <laughs> yeah, rattlesnake. The rattles. <laughs> Wait, do it again. Rattlesnake. If you look up the YouTube video for this song, all the comments are like, "These lyrics are so deep." They're like, uh, nice. It took me a while to figure out what they were talking about, but this song is actually about a rattlesnake. (laughs) Nice drum fill. Feels very butteric beat. Yeah. It's also a very repetitive song that somehow manages to stay interesting, like this right here. Piano microtones. Sticky, smelly. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like this is just something where these kind of tones don't necessarily usually exist in Western music, although there are a few examples.
I was looking up Snake Charming too, and I didn't realize apparently it's all just like a sleight of hand trick thing in that the snakes supposedly aren't actually reacting to the music. They're following the flute, the pattern of the flute, because they perceive it as a threat and they're like doing a dance Whoa. to it. That's nuts. I don't know. I if would it's never true. take that chance. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right with your joke. Rattlesnakes are probably the most percussive reptile. Yeah. And just what they're doing is essentially what playing a drum, right? I don't know how the rattlesnake rattle. works. Yeah, a rattle. But a, ra a, like a little snare drum, for example, is like a rattle, right? Sure, yeah, I guess. The underside. I think in a lot of Western contexts, like, you would... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go. I was just going to say, I think snakes and, and spiders get a bad rap. Definitely. Same with sloths. Not sloths. <laughs> sloths have a good rap. Uh, possums. Skunks. Sloths are accurately judged. <laughs> I mean, the drummer. Right, what are you saying about Western music? No, I was going to say the drummer doesn't get enough love. The rattlesnake. Yeah. Give Hold the it drummer down. some. <laughs> Who would be the bassist of the Animal Kingdom? The funkiest animal. Yeah, I'm trying to think. who has like a really low vibrational I keep thinking like a bear but I don't know bear works playing like a stand up bass <laughs> you got a bear playing stand up bass you got a rattlesnake on drums and like a bird singing so I was going to say like just in typical western music these notes guitar solo I'm talking over it but even this guitar solo like it would just sound bad. You'd be like, you're hitting the wrong notes. Because, and there's like Reddit threads talking about microtonal music, where they'll say like, what key is this? And what notes are they playing? And really breaking down the music. But a lot of it too comes from the Baglama, which I think we've talked about before. Uh, instrument in Turkey. Yeah. Turkey got a which gobble. You, actually, you have one. Turkey gobble is, I have a loop. But I guess it's the same as a Baglama. I don't really know. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot of like folk traditions from around the world will use microtones, and then just for whatever reason in Western music, it just got totally eradicated. I wonder if it has something to do though with the like 
writing down of music as opposed to playing folk songs when it was like well actually if you look at music more as a math equation like what Mozart and Beethoven and all those composers were doing they didn't account for the in-between notes but I don't well, know if I'm overthinking that. It's less that. about not accounting for it. It's just like, it's what makes sense in the math equation. Right. If you want like a har harmonics and not just a ton of dissonance. Yeah, so this music's obviously way more dissonant. And I guess in the Arabic culture, they call it 24 tet, whereas we have 12 tet. Yeah. I think instruments too is a good call out for like scales are oftentimes built around instruments. Right, or true. Vice versa. So that's why it seems like, like even a guitar or like bending a guitar, you can achieve that kind of thing, but still the frets are spaced out so that you're going to hit the 12 notes scales. Like I don't know if a, a piano tuned into like a micro tuning would sound good. Yeah. The way it so does. So in the video for this song, they when they play the piano, they cut to like a guy playing piano, but he's just playing like a white key, then a black key. But it, yeah. it's the microtone. So I wonder if they actually detuned a piano to make it like that. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It it does sound but really you're weird. Probably but probably missing it's... out on resonance and stuff that the piano would get if it was in yeah, the math equation. Normal key. So real yeah. quick, when I was looking up microtonal music. I was curious, like in Western music, if it's really used or in any popular songs. But real quick, just a 15 second clip from a popular song, an artist who comes from a place. I actually didn't know this. I didn't know that Dua Lipa is of Albanian heritage. Albanian. She has Albanian yeah, did citizenship. You see her with, uh, did you see her with uh, what's his name? Action Bronson. Oh, no, that's great, though. That's, I got to look that up. That's I learned about it. She she comes on his cooking show. Oh, I got to watch that. I actually love Dua Lipa, so maybe sometime we'll dig deeper into D Dua Lipa. But right. she has a song called Good in Bed that's like an example of hitting microtones. And I was reading up on some Albanian folk music that they use instruments kind of like the Baglama, but they have a different name and they hit microtones. But real quick, let's hear the chorus of Dua Lipa, Good in Bed. Oh, fuck. I got the whole song here. Fast forward, funky bass. Good in bed, so just wait, like Grover Washington that a Lauren, Isn't that a Lauren Hill ref, uh, sample? I believe it. I don't know, though. You know more than I know. I could be making that up. It sounds very Lauren Hill-like. It does sound very Lauren Hill, but... And I can now kind of imagine Lauren Hill. I don't know if she hits microtones, but that one feels almost deliberately like most people aren't going to sing eh, 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 or whatever. Yeah. So it is a kind of an example of microtones. Like it's just a little bit off, but it still works in a pop context. Yeah, I love it. But I'll pass it it's back. It's like the space in between the notes. Yep. The notes between the um, notes. Nice. I will give you uh, dual points for dual Lipa. Two? Is that two? Uh, not a Lauren Hill sample, I guess, according to who sampled. So if anyone spots it out there, let us know. We can add it. It does sound like Lauren Hill, though. 
Um, you, okay. Give you duo points for yeah, that. Yeah, very Lauren Hill inspired. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we left off. I love that we, this show is kicking off with two nine-minute songs. Probably the first time this ever happened. Uh, we were talking about Grover Washington, Mr. Magic, talking about my old Dusty record, which, by the way, was an original pressing. That's something I forgot to mention. You know, a lot of times people these days will buy re re-releases, but mm-hmm. there's something trippy to the fact that this like physical thing has existed since 1975. If it's an original right. pressing, um, that's how you get that smell, and probably a limited quality. Like there's only so many that smell like that. <laughs> yeah, if they still exist. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about Dusty, which got me to Woody Guthrie, someone that. Um, we've talked a little bit about before, but wanted to bring up again. And he's talking about dust bowl blues. Mm-hmm. Um, love the way he has this sort of cadence to his song and, uh, we'll launch into it. I'll talk a little more. Talking about folk, folk music. Back in 1927, I had a little farm in a cold out heaven. Well, the price is up and the rain come down, and I hauled my crops all into town. I got the money, bought clothes and groceries, fed the kids and raised the family. The rain, it quit, and the wind got high, and a black old dust storm filled the sky. And I swapped my farm for a Ford machine, and I poured it full of this gas Eileen, and I started Rocking and rolling over the mountains and deserts and stuff like that to California. I'm going to just pause because I don't want to talk over it because this song is so amazing. But I didn't realize that this style, I mean, Woody Guthrie definitely popularized it. But it's it's called the Talkin' Blues. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Bob Dylan does it a bunch. Johnny Cash even does this. I didn't really realize that its roots were with like folk music from the forties. Yeah. Or even earlier than that. Probably. Yeah. Probably. It's probably even like twenties. It's just in the forties. I started recording it. Yeah. That's a great point. I'll give you 40 points. Thank you. But I love the way he does like, uh, the way he like accents words. Mm -hmm. Like he's about to talk about his car. Yeah. Gas Eileen. And he goes, engine. (laughs) He's like the original Lil Wayne or something. Yeah, people don't do that enough with the U.S. language. Way up yeah. yonder on a mountain In road, rap music a they hot do. motor and a heavy load. I was going pretty fast. I wasn't even stopping. I bouncing up and down like popcorn popping. Had a breakdown. Some kind of a nervous bust down. Or some kind of was a feller there, a mechanic feller. Said it was engine trouble. <laughs> Way up yonder in the mountain curves, way up yonder in the piney wood, I give that rolling forward a shove, and I was going to coast as far as I could. Commence rolling, picking up speed. It was a hairpin turn, and I didn't make it. Man alive, I'm telling you, the fiddles and the guitars really flew. That Ford took off like a flying squirrel, and it flew halfway around the world. Scattered wives and children's all over the side of that mountain. We got out to the west coast broke, so dad gum hungry I thought I'd croak, and I bummed up a spud or two, and my wife fixed up a tater stew. And we fed the kids made of it. Looked 
like a bunch of thymometers running around. That stew is so thin, you could read a magazine right through it. Always have thought and always had figured that if it had been just a little bit thinner, some of these here politicians could have seen through it. microtones yeah i just feel like when i was listening to this i was like we have such rich like history like cultural history that i don't think we celebrate enough like the content that he talks about mm. it just like the, the i don't know just like the ethos of the song feels like this moment in time that i don't know i just i think sometimes we're afraid to look back of, at the history of our country because there's a lot of dark shit but yeah. There's also some pretty amazing things like people like Woody Guthrie, mm-hmm. characters like that. I don't know. Yeah, I have a nostalgia it, for that. And even the kind of concept of the talking blues, I feel like, is interesting. We were talking about sort of musical um, structures in this episode. Although it's called a blues, there's no, like, it doesn't follow the 12 bar blues pattern. Right. That, you know, actual blues songs follow. Yeah. It's just a three chord progression. Hmm. Which is very much more country music, to your point, yeah. I think. But like we've talked about before, it all all the genres kind of blend together when you really start digging deep into them. It's just music and talking. That song is making me want to bring spoken word back again. Yes. <laughs> all right, I'll pass it. All right. Uh, so we left off King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard talking microtones. I'm going to launch right into my next song here. This is... Nura Mint Semali, and I don't claim to pronounce things right. Not sure if you've heard of her, but she's from Mauritiana, which is, uh, we're going around the globe here. And, uh, she's a griot, which is a word for, like, a traveling poet, keeper of the oral traditions. And she merges it with some more Western style rock but in the Moorish tradition very I already hear the similarities so she plays the Arden which is not the Baglama she crushes it better than Dua Lipa So the instrument she plays the Arden, not the Baglama, which is a harp made out of a kalazba, which is a type of gourd. So fruit connection from flying microtonal banana to gourd guitar. Love that. I guess it's an instrument designed specifically for female musicians. At 16 strings. I guess even the concept of griots, I got to pause it because it's too good. But, you know, it's like people who would announce births and deaths and I guess be like mediator of conflicts and also advise kings and queens and royalty. 
with and music? I guess, yeah, like uh, or like storytellers and with music. And that concept has been around for a long time throughout history too. Like the, the idea of a bard. I love the idea. Yeah, well, I love the idea of mediating through music. Just yeah. imagining two people fighting and then you walk in front of them and start playing music like it would and then be grover washington walks confusing. out and starts playing saxophone <laughs> and everyone's like oh yeah whoa So, last thing on her, I guess she comes from a musical family. Her father wrote the national anthem for Mauritiana. I don't claim to pronounce things right, but country in Northwest Africa. Okay. The Sahara Desert picks up most of the country, so definite desert vibes. And her father also developed the the first system for Moorish melodic notation, which kind of like we were talking about the Western notators. So he was actually writing down like how to play this music. Funky bass. The other thing is I was going to bring up is that styles of music to me are often associated with different types of food. Like if I hear Frank Sinatra, I can like smell the lasagna. Or if I hear, you know, salsa music, I immediately start craving salsa. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if you have that experience at all. It's because, like, if I go to a Mexican restaurant, there's salsa music playing. Or if I go to, like, a a whatever Middle Eastern restaurant, there might be something closer to this playing. And then my brain just associates the taste of the food with the music playing. and And taste is linked to smell so i don't know styles of music trigger smells and tastes for me so i think i might have synesthesia but we'll be getting to stevie wonder next pass it back okay perfect (laughs) all right i just want you to go on the record that uh you mean like mariachi music instead of salsa why what's salsa just so you don't get canceled <laughs> what is salsa i just think it's like, funny uh, to say salsa music makes me crave salsa <laughs> salsa is like caribbean that's like cuba puerto rico okay let me try it again we'll edit back in mariachi music makes me crave uh salsa <laughs> you hear that at a mexican restaurant <laughs> Uh, but i mean obviously this is coming from like the western perspective white man perspective all this stuff where it's like I'm probably not normally listening to microtonal music and if I'm exposed to it it might be in a, a Mediter- or I keep saying Mediterranean Middle Eastern <laughs> ah, ah, I'm sweating can you smell my fear and my uh, ignorance alright pass back I don't think I said anything bad for the record but no you're good I yeah. I, I saved you I wasn't going to let you say it also makes you think of salsa because <laughs> That would get you canceled. Uh, I always thought that was just a funny joke. Yeah, that is good, but um, 
someone's going to come after you for that one. All right. Thank you. Um, but no, you perfect segue. You knew where my head was Here, at. How about this? Salsa music makes me crave. Salsa music makes what? me crave. <laughs> Plantains. Ropa... No, hang on. <laughs> yes. Salsa music makes me crave Ropa Vieja. Okay. All right. Go ahead. But no, back to, we're talking about synesthesia. This is the word I can't say. Synesthesia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will's convinced he has it with food and music or with taste. Uh, we were talking about Woody Guthrie, talking Dust Bowl blues. Clearly, Bob Dylan takes a lot from Woody Guthrie. He has a song called Talking World War Three Blues. Didn't realize that was an homage to just the talking blues genre. Mm. But it's almost exactly like um, the Woody Guthrie song we heard. But to save Will from Bob Dylan, because I know uh, he can't stand him. Thank you. Uh we played Woody Guthrie instead. But one of the first times I ever heard of the concept of synesthesia was Bob Dylan's title, Tangled Up in Blue. Mm. Obviously, can't be tangled up in a color. But in addition to Stevie Wonder, there's another man play, who plays piano that is known for being a synesthesist. Oh, I knew we'd be crossing streams with synesthesia. And that's Mr. Franz Litz, who famously said, gentlemen, a little bluer, if you please. Oh. Launching into Liebestrom number three, (laughs) Franz Litz. All right. This is another nocturne for listeners who remember our Chopin episode. Time for bed. Also... One more piece of information before we jump into Litz. I didn't know this, but he was insanely popular in his day. He's one. Of, he's he's documented as one of the first like musicians to have celebrity on a level where like female fans used to try to like cut locks of his hair, or they would get his discarded coffee grounds and save them, or a, like a used cigar stub. And that's where the term Litzomania came from. Oh, Phoenix, Phoenix reference. Phoenix makes me think of salsa. (laughs) Phoenix, yeah. So Franz Litz was known for having really highly technical songs. Like they're very hard to play. He plays the piano or is he a composer? I think he's a composer and he played it. Is he German or something? He's actually Hungarian. Oh. I could see how he was the Grover Washington of his time. Totally. Very sensual. Even larger. Just, I mean, with the sensuality. Yeah, very like passionate. Like dramatic. I feel like I've heard this before in an elevator or something. Yeah, it's a super popular song. Yeah. Which 
it means love dream or dream of love. There is something more like pleasing, I guess, to music that's not microtonal. Totally, yeah. It's like, that sounds right. So his playing was reported to raise the mood of the audience to a level of mystical ecstasy. Ecstasy. Keep them from turning blue. Yep. To turn it feeling white with jizz. <laughs> I'll edit that one out. Yeah. I'm just digging a hole. So this is 1840s. I don't know if I mentioned that. Oh. How do they record it? Uh, the pieces are just, you know, written down. Oh, he wrote it in the 40s. 1840s. 1840s. Yeah, this is played by Lang Lang. Mm. So do you experience... Any colors when you listen to music? I was going to ask you that because I feel like aphantasia is another thing we've talked about off the mic, which is you mentioned earlier, like I can see it in my head. And uh -huh. there's some people who can't see images in their head. Some people who can, it's a spectrum. I think synesthesia is probably a spectrum too. I don't necessarily, but I kind of think I do a little bit at the same time. So I guess when I was reading online, the most common form of synesthesia is uh, colors associated with numbers and letters. No, oh, I don't see that at all. Do you? Uh, no, I don't think I have any of it. But I remember I took a recording class in Champaign, Illinois at Pogo Studios, Five Points of Champaign, Illinois, with this guy, Mark Rubel, and now he lives in Nashville, but he always claimed he had synesthesia, and so he's like, everyone's voice in the class has a sound has a color associated with it i think i might have mentioned this on the podcast before no no but so he he said everyone's voice in the class has a color associated with it but he never tells anyone what color their voice is because then they won't be able to get that out of their head <laughs> <laughs> i had a note but i was i wasn't gonna wasn't sure if i was gonna say it but uh, i feel like synesthesia is just a made-up no, that's what I'm saying. Things so that people can seem more creative. That's what I'm saying, though, is because, like, that's what I think about aphantasia. Yeah. Because I think people who say they have aphantasia, they think that people are literally seeing things in their head. But what do you mean? You're, or may, I don't know if I have aphantasia. This might be a conversation for another time. But, like, <laughs> I don't literally see it in my head. Like, I can yeah, kind of I imagine it. it. No, I see it. <laughs> it's like a snapshot. All right, I don't believe you. <laughs> what? So that's like synesthesia. Like I think there are some people who they kind of see the colors, but it's not like they're on like full out tripping out with a visual. Yeah. I don't know. It's impossible to know because we're never going to be in their body. Yeah, that's why it's so convenient. No, yeah, kidding. that's why I, I think you're messing with me, right? About the what? stuff in no. your head. Uh-uh. Okay, we'll talk. We'll save it for another time. I, I mean, don't. Yeah, like I can. can I can imagine things, but I can't see it. You can't see the picture of the memory. 
but where do you see it in my head like uh in like a like another universe kind of so when you close your eyes can you not see something is it just black it's black but i can imagine it i don't see it (laughs) you don't see through your eyes you see through your eyes. You're not fucking with me. I don't know if it's my eyes, but I can see it. Yeah. I but like on image. the back of your eyelids, like 3D crystal clear, or it's like in another place. Like I put it like right here in me. No, it's more like a memory. I'm not seeing through my eyes. It's like a memory. Yeah. Okay. So it's all the same thing. I don't believe Aphantasia exists. Okay. All right. And now that we clear that up, where's the gavel? <laughs> <laughs> Give me the gavel. <laughs> uh, we don't have it, but uh, <laughs> rattlesnake. <laughs> rattlesnake. Synesthesia and aphantasia are both questionable, but we'll never be able to prove it one way or the other. All right. Well, that that lit song was so relaxing. We uh, slipped out of it without even noticing. Yeah. Um. So I will pass it back to you. I I got uh one more connection. All right, getting the home stretch here. I already teased synesthesia. We cross streams, weave webs. We left off with uh, Nura Mint Semali. And if you're a Western audience, you might be listening to that going, I don't understand this music. What key is it in? What key? Which is what on this next famous recording, bass player Larry Moses yells out when he's getting behind the bass. Uh, this is another guy who says he has synesthesia, even though he's blind. Stevie Wonder. Have you played this on the podcast before? I've actually sampled that, so that's funny. Oh. That yeah Fing- part is so good. Fingertips part two. Uh, we teased part two earlier. Nice. This is from, I think, 1963. Stevie Wonder is 12 years old performing live in Chicago and with kind of the Motown crew. I believe Marvin Gaye is on drums. Wow. Say yeah. Is Marvin Gaye on drums? Say yeah. Say yeah. 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 And Stevie Wonder playing harmonica. On flying microtonal banana, they use a microtonal harmonica. And I, I guess all the instruments were tuned. He played harmonica. Yeah. How did I not know that? Because you just left off it. Yeah. <laughs> he plays bongos too. Just one more time when I come back 
I'll just improvise. That was it right there. The you can hear if you listen closely. The bassist coming in, going, "What key? What key?" So funny. Nice. What key? So, this song came out as a B-side. There was part one, this was part two. And Stevie Wonder became the youngest artist to hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in history. Nice. I think it's just from a young age, he obviously had such a great stage presence. Uh, yeah, so Stevie Wonder claims that he has synesthesia and that when he plays music, he sees colors, which is interesting because he was blind from not when he was born, but from a very young age. So mm-hmm. it kind of caused the question of, I mean, I I don't have any reason not to believe him unless you think synesthesia doesn't really exist. But I do think that music has color associated with it in a lot of cases, whether that's because of the artwork and then we associate it after the fact yeah. or because something within us. But I do think that all senses are connected. Like we came up with albums you could smell. Definitely. No, I'm I'm just I'm being uh an ingest, I guess is what I'm saying, but teasing. But uh I think it's also studied that w- blind people have like heightened senses in other regards. Definitely. But in nineteen seventy three, ten years after this recording, Stevie Wonder temporarily lost his sense of smell and taste after a car accident. Oh damn. And August 6, 1973, he crashed his car and he was in a coma for four days. Jesus. Yeah. And then obviously COVID, you know, you're losing your sense of smell and taste. But let me do real quick. This is a short connection. We're getting the home stretch here. Uh, Stevie Wonder going on a little run. Stevie Wonder, he was the boy Wonder at 12 years old, you know, but he's good at any age, which brings me to... No Age, this is a song called Boy Void. No Age, who got popular at the LA venue, The Smell. I'm glad you did it, uh, The Smell Connection. Had to. I immediately thought of No Age, but I didn't want to choose one of their albums. Little microtonal King Gizzard here, too. Dissonant noise. We had no age for those who don't know. We're like 
probably the biggest band of the scene at The Smell, which is a venue in downtown LA, like a DIY, all ages, independent venue that gets really hot and sweaty and smelly. And I feel like anytime I hear their music, I can just smell what it's like in there. They're also super popular with college radio kids. Yeah, like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Got the Matoric beat, Matoric punk beat. And then for this album, Weirdo Rippers, they put, they like painted no age Weirdo Rippers on the outside of the smell. And I think it's still there. Did you say this is hardcore? style what would you say that's like hardcore i think it's like lo-fi noise punk or something like that i don't even know i don't know my like punk genres and i actually never liked them that much like i could see how that'd be really fun to see live but listening to it on recording i always find it kind of grating so um but yeah they were really popular it was one of those things where i didn't know if people really liked that kind of music or if they just thought it was like arty and cool. Yeah. I think definitely there was an element of the like image of liking them. Yeah. And I think the smell too, though, is a cool piece of LA music history. I mean, it's still open and going, but definitely during like the mid 2000 or like 2010s, it was uh, like a vibrant underground scene that was an alternative to the bigger venues around LA where local independent artists DIY kind of people could perform so shout out to the smell on the smells app nice love the had to give him a nod um got to give him a sniff sniff get a whiff of that so speaking of getting a whiff uh we left off with synesthesia with Franz Liszt uh first celebrity musician which got me to another way you might smell your music is with weed. Oh, the stanky bud. <laughs> that kush. But, you know, I didn't want to do any of the obvious like rap, you know, hip hop or reggae. So I'm going to go back to a little corner of the metal universe that we've talked about before. With a little bit of stone. Now I'm gonna cancel rock. you at the at this episode. A little doom metal. Wait, why are you gonna cancel me? <laughs> no, never mind. Wait, no, tell me. You're like, don't want to do rap or uh, or uh, reggae. Oh, because it's um, like the thing everyone always talks about when it talks about. No, I know. Okay, yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna edit that out. I'm just bad. All joke. right, jump into. Let's go to the white people. Music. Electric Wizard Funeral Opus. Nice. For the record, like what am I gonna play Snoop Dogg and Bob Marley? Like that's just been done to death. So I don't know what you're talking about. I edited jumping it out. into some stoner rock. <laughs> Listeners, go back and listen to our dope smoker episode. Yes. This generation is so goddamn spoiled and lazy. 
I also thought doing like doom metal would be a nice ladder from our Black Sabbath episode, which it, this genre clearly takes a lot from Black Sabbath. I've never heard this before, but I like this. And yeah, it's definitely like Black Sabbath deconstructed or slowed down, chopped and screwed, slowed and reverbed. Like samples in there too. Wow. Wiki says Doom Metal, known one of its defining characteristics is the consistent focus on slow tempos and minor tonality with mm. much use of dissonance. Wow. And we brought it all back together. We don't plan this. We don't plan it. We don't plan it. Earth. Earth is another band like this. Earth Tones, Grover Washington Jr. Definitely stank face into this. that uncomfortable feeling you're, you have right now is called dissonance. Yeah, I like this a lot though. I just love music. I'm a music enthusiast. You get any like food? taste memories from this. This is like KFC. KFC? Drive through with like a Mountain Dew. Nice. That's what I'm getting. What do you get? I can see the KFC. I thought Doritos for some reason. Yeah. Doritos, Mountain Dew while playing like World of Warcraft all night. <laughs> yeah. Do how like a new genre emerges and people are like, let's just slow it down a little. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we were talking about dissonance and kind of like why is Western music so focused on harmonies and 
you know, 12 interval scales and stuff. I think this is a perfect example of what, like, emotions and, and like... Yeah, it taps into a, a different side of exactly. you. That, like, people are, like, swaying in the audience to this. And, like, Very primal. Just, like, letting it out. And then it's, like, when they drop into... And like a metal band then drops into like a breakdown or something it's almost like the point of release where all the tension you built exactly. up comes out so this album is called dope throne i don't know a ton about doom metal but i do love that there's like the weed references in almost every single it's either yeah. like <laughs> super dark shit or weed or both it's because at the time in like the 90s smoking weed was associated with this I mean, it is associated with other genres you mentioned, but definitely was like the slacker, stoner, nothing going on in your life. You just want to smoke weed. Yeah. And very different from today. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious to think about, actually. The high no, function like stoner. You're, yeah. <laughs> stoner who's like watches the stock market yeah yeah for cannabis stocks <laughs> I'm gonna give you a thousand points for this though. This is probably one of my favorite connections. I can't believe I've never heard this yes. band. Are they playing bass too? Like distorted bass? I think it's a pitch. Or is that like a guitar? I think it's a pitch down bass. Funeralopolis. I feel like I also kind of smell like, you know, the way like amps and guitar, a room full of amps and guitars kind of has a smell. Yeah, it's almost like plastic heating up. Yeah, but it smells good. Get it on a microdose episode because all these songs are extremely long. Yeah. This is great though. Sorry, I keep talking. So the name Electric Wizard is an homage to Electric Funeral and the Wizard Black Sabbath songs. Oh. So all these back to Black Sabbath. Yeah, Black Sabbath created every genre. Ooh, a little swirl here, a little psychedelic. Uh... I don't know if anyone's done this, but I want to start a Screamo podcast <laughs> where the two hosts scream the entire time. 
and then talk for a little bit. That would be so and then scream. good. <laughs> Do both of the vocal things, the growl and the yeah. scream. Yeah. <laughs> and just like. So where are you from? <laughs> oh, that's too good. What do you have to plug? <laughs> that should be a bit. I have to plug HelloFresh. <laughs> that's great. We all love this country. We all love this country. There we go. Like Woody Guthrie. Was Woody Guthrie socialist? Yeah, I think so. Something like that. This land is your land. This land is yeah. my land. <laughs> A leftist. Yeah. Pass it back. Yeah. Take us home. Uh, all right. Taking home on the country roads. Left off. No age. Boy void. Uh, you watch Sesame Street, right? Yeah. And you're... You could be any age. You're not a 12 years old anymore like Stevie Wonder, but there's no age you need to watch Sesame Street. And we've been all around the world on this episode making huge errors talking about countries we know nothing about and cultures we know nothing about. <laughs> but the music brings us all together. This connection here is Global Grover. Are you familiar with that segment? Nice. You familiar with that? No. I guess it's a thing on Sesame Street where Glover, Grover, Glo Grover <laughs> travels the globe. Grover <laughs> travels the globe, goes to different countries, and I don't know, and explores the tradition of people from many diverse cultures, just like we do on CTC. I just thought it was funny because I looked up Grover Sesame Street slowed reverb. Yeah. And this came up, and just the whole concept of the slowed reverb genre. I think is a fascinating musical thing. We've had a lot of nine minute songs, so this one's fifteen seconds. Nice. Let's listen to Golden Global Grover end credits slowed plus reverb. Love it. And that leads me into Grover, Washington. Title track. Again. Did you you play this yeah. one too? <laughs> we don't plan this. They all sounded the same to me and they all blended together. But I did when this one came on, I was vibing. Yeah, this is the hit. You can throw in another one if you want. Or we can just listen to a little of this and a little King Gizzard yeah. get out of here. I gotta eat while listening to music. We went long today, folks. I could see the orchard living room right now when I was listening to the album. You put it on in there? Yeah. Orchard Street is what he's talking about, which orchard, apples, fruit, microtonal banana. Will and I stayed in the same room. Separate years. We didn't plan yeah. it. We didn't plan that. And then you lived in a Silver Lake Garden Apartments, and then I moved there. Wow. We didn't plan Destiny. that. Destiny. 
All right. You want to fade it? Let's fade it. We can just do a short snippet of King Gizzard. Sorry, I didn't realize you picked the song even when you're playing it. No, it's all good. But stand out on the album for sure. Yeah. But they all sound like this, so no matter what I would have played, it would have been exactly like that. All right, we left off Doom Metal. A lot of connections, but the most obvious one is King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Doom City. Nice. Almost picked this one. This is the other banger. We don't plan Rattlesnake this. Rattlesnake and Doom City were the bangers. More metal, too. Probably a direct reference to Doom Metal, huh? Yeah, I think so. Wow, I just actually realized they're doing, they're just like repeating the title of the song just like they were doing the Doom Metal song. Wow. And then now he's doing Doom City. Rattlesnake. Rattlesnake. I didn't realize. Wow. Down right here definitely sounds like Black Sabbath. Doom to the Doom City. Play this on bass. Oh yeah, super easy. So the bass isn't really is it micro Tony? No, it's I think it's pretty standard. But maybe it is. Maybe the whole key of the song requires micro tone. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Yeah, this album definitely made me want to go check out the rest of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizards catalog. I kind of wrote him off from the funny name and seeming like a jam band, but yeah, I think they're better than that. Yeah. Very musical. It's a group like, just like very tight. If, if I was at a music f festival, I would, I would, it would be worth seeing them. Definitely, yeah. All right.
All right. We smelled it. Smell you later. Smell you later, listeners. <laughs>